You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. What's up, guys? It's hey. time for another edition of Outlaws and Gunslingers, and we're fresh off of Nowhere Nah. That's 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 episodes ago. Episodes. Oh. That's like 10 episodes ago now. Oh, shit. We're fresh off of the uh, Bonnie and Clyde that's saga, nice. part one and part two, Bonnie and Clyde. We're moving on in the uh, early 30s slash Great Depression slash Public Enemy number one era. All right. And, uh, yeah, it's actually uh, Luciano set it up what's happening now, and then these guys are finalizing what's going to happen, and then from here on out it's going to be the end outcome of what these guys are doing. It's fantastic to watch it to, or to go back and see all this from the how it all played out into uh, from the, even for the wild wild the wild wild west. I always say that, but seriously, everything from the wild west all the way on up, it all led onto what's going to happen here, and then what's going to happen in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties, and even today with the mafia. They got so strong you couldn't kill them, and right now. Uh, they're pretty strong, but they're not strong enough yet. And we are in the 30s, and this is public enemy, where the government was like, we're going to fight these well, motherfuckers. Well, see, exactly. We're in the public enemy era. Right, we're going to fight these motherfuckers. With especially, we're at a time... But there's a problem, though. It was public enemy, but nobody didn't, nobody didn't dislike them. People were like, no, they... Well, they feed, I don't know. They Bonnie, our Bonnie, and, Bonnie and Clyde, we did see oh, in part was, two yeah. that the... Uh, the public turned against them okay, once they later. started murdering right. fucking um, uh, police officers with families. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of later in time in the 70s shit. We we're like, why are you guys messing with this guy? Right. Why are you messing with this guy? Right. But yeah. right. Now, now we're yeah. in an era, the public enemy era, where literally the law enforcement they didn't take no shit. They, they were they were tracking down and plus, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger, right. uh, Babyface Nelson, and plus fucking, back then law enforcement was like king. So if you took down a cop, there's like these guys are savages, right? There's no TV, right? There's no nothing. Well, there's, there's oh there, no. I mean, it's the 30s. There's you always TV. count on. There's no. definitely radio there's for no sure. TV in for the sure. 30s. There's, there's radio. radio, but still, there's TVs in the 30s. Nah, it just came out in the 30s. Nah, I don't think so, bud. Are you kidding me? In the 30s, TVs? in the 30s, TVs in the 30s. Are you telling me there's no thir- there's no TVs in the 30s? If they were, they're in mansions. No. In the 30s, the television? Yeah, dude, small-ass fucking uh, TVs in the 30s. Are you kidding me? And you had your fucking mind? When did TVs first come out? It's like when 19 fucking... uh did TVs... I'll say like 1953 or when something. When did TVs start? It's definitely in the 50s. Television set. When did 19... television... Right there. 1939. Yeah, that's when History they showcased the television. it. That's when they showcased early 30, it. The world's first television stations first started appearing in America in the late 20s and early 30s. So there was 100% TV stations. That's stations, um, not televisions itself. Well, obviously not a whole lot of uh, households had TVs, but there was TV stations. You know? Just... The first electronic television was invented in 1927. The world's first electronic television was created by a 20-year-old, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, Isn't that crazy? 20-year-old. Between 1926 and 31, mechanical television inventors continued to tweak and test their creations. However, However, they were all doomed to be obsolete in comparison to the modern electrical televisions. By 1934, all TVs had been converted into the electronic system. Right. So in 34, there was 100% TVs. Yeah, but they weren't. They weren't. Understandably, all early television systems transmitted footage in black and white. Color TV, however, was first theorized way back in 1904, something we'll talk about later on right. in this article they're yeah, saying. See, they're um, going way back in this shit here. So, the so first, either or, in 1934, people were watching TV, 100%. No, 100%. Weren't. No. Well, you just fucking, people, we've just seen it. Like, nobody from where we're at right now is watching television in 1934. The world's first television stations first appeared in America in the late 20s and early 30s. The first mechanical TV station was called W3XK. Oh, talk about TVs. And was created by Charles. Right there, the first television sets. Go down. First television sets in America. America's first commercially produced television sets were based on the mechanical television system and made available to the public in September 1928. Okay. Oh, wait. They were shown off to the public in 28. It would take until 1938. However. However. Before American electronic television sets were produced and released commercially. Okay, so in this era that we're covering with Dillinger and... um, uh, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. There was no, there was no right. widely uh, so watched TV. It was all radio, all radio. It's fucking nineteen forty, which now actually does make sense. Nineteen forties, about the time where TVs and yeah, it's crazy. All radio telecasts is what we're hearing uh, for this era of the Just of, the, so, of, of the so-called the era of the so-called of um, public enemy number one. Think of this early thirties. Think of this end of the Great Depression. Think of this. Think of this. What, what, do, what do you want me to think of? It took. We'll start from the year 18... Let's just go back a few years. 1840. Right. We'll just say 1840 from there on out. Towns were electric in 1840. Not electric in 1840. Fuck yeah, they had lights and all that shit. They had the telegraph. Fuck yeah, they had the telegraph. 1840? Have you not? No. Nothing came... There was no electricity until like fucking 18 fucking... uh, When did electricity... It's like 1887 or some shit, dude. Come to America. Like 1887, I believe it is. 1880s. Yep. 18-fucking-80s. Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse. Westinghouse, I have a TV by them. All right. And other Avengers began introducing practical electric power systems in the 1880s. 1880s. By the 1920s, most cities and towns in America received electricity from either privately owned or municipal. Right. Right. So, right, 1840s, right. They didn't. Okay, obviously. So I, now you obviously, now I, I, obviously, obviously, I know that. But now you forget where even fucking where I was even going with this. I think you're talking about like the evolution of uh, information or something. 1840s, people didn't know anything besides newspaper. I think that's where you're getting. And then by the 1930s, they had television. <laughs> you know, I think that's where you're going, right? No, I wasn't. Just think about the uh, well, the the electric. We're, we're, you're saying you're saying like we're just on another fucking thing after, after TV. that though. It was TV. Right. And then you said, think about this, 1840s, communication, pretty much, right? That was Communi- way before. No, communication. Communication, what it was in the 20s and the 30s compared to the 1840s. And then that little time period, that's From what you're 18, saying. That's yeah. That right, little, yeah, that yeah, little yeah. of a time oh, period. Right, right. From right. 1840 to now. From 1840 until now. 2021, almost 22. Look at what we've done. In how many years? 200. 
120 years. years. Yeah, 180 years. 180 years. And uh, for 1,800 years? It was nothing. Come on. All right. Get the fuck out of here. Well, 1,800 years, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, guess what? You got to thank old uh, Benjamin Franklin for realizing that metal fucking attracts uh, electricity. They've been telling me not to put metal on top of my fucking coat hanger and fly it with my bed sheet. But my coat hanger is metal. What are you talking about? A little kite with the key. You know, I've ever seen that when we were kids. It wasn't a bed sheet. I know. You know, when we were kids in school, it's the fucking Benjamin fucking Franklin, his little kite. That's what he did. He had the key on the top. It's legitimately what he did. It's true. But it is. It is true. He went out in a lightning storm with a kite with a key, a steel key tied to it. In the middle of a field, though. Doesn't matter. It proved that fucking lightning will strike a fucking... How? It struck the tallest object. And it was there. But back then, how many fucking tall objects were there? They didn't know about lightning rods. No, they didn't was, know about anything like that. He's in the like middle that. of a fucking field. But it doesn't matter. Or was he? Was he in, like... No, he was like literally outside of his shop or fucking right, whatever in, in town. City. He just flew a fucking kite. Mm, they didn't have... He got lucky. That was God saying, hey, guess what? This is what... But this. they didn't have... But they didn't have lightning rods. Right. Like on the top of tall no. buildings and stuff like that. Right. That's what I'm thinking. God yeah, was back like, then, you got to think how many how many times has a lightning. You think of like great fires in right. um, uh, towns. They're all right. most of them are caused by like lightning mm-hmm. storms and storms like that. Hitting wood buildings right. and pff, fucking putting them up in right. flames. Right. Until they invented, hey, lightning will strike the fucking uh, right. metal and we then ground it'll it absorb the, the fucking uh, ground, the shock. Right. We'll ground that fucking spark right. to the ground. Right. I'm fucking good. So that was that was all that right. nobody knew that until he flew flew the fucking key into the sky. That's what I'm saying. That was God saying, "Hey, all right, you guys are expanding. <laughs> uh, here's some more information on how to live. You guys are getting taller in the world." <laughs> how would people not know that? Like right. you're telling me through the Bronze Age, through the Iron Age, and all that shit before fucking the 1800s or the right. 1700s. How many castles got how many, struck by lightning? How many? Well, how many? Right. Nobody observed. Lightning striking metal, like that's what it, it that would have it, it attracted to metal. Nobody, so. nobody, nobody, nobody saw fucking anything made out of metal that got struck by lightning and was like, thinking, hey, you know, but you I'm know, th- you know that, uh, yeah. you know that um, steel fucking um, yeah. jail cell we got out there to, to hold the fucking right. uh, but the prisoners. Be, but it seems to get tall. struck by lightning, but it's got a be lot. Super, it's got to be super tall to draw the energy. So they didn't have really super tall buildings that were or anything that was made of metal. I mean, that's true. Even if you have something metal on the ground, right? It's, it's going to strike whatever is higher. First. Right. Right. It's going to hit the fucking right. tree first. Right. That's what it draws itself to. The- so how far in the sky was the kite? It was tall enough than anything that was near him. Taller than any building around or a tree, I would assume. Right. Really, right. That would have to be. And he just got lucky one night. God was like, right. 1752 by tying a key onto a kite. String during a storm. Ben Franklin proved that static elect- static electricity and lightning were the same. His correct understanding oh. of the nature of electricity paved the way for the future. How did he do that? Oh, with the key. Right. Right. So he didn't actually get struck by lightning. The static of the lightning. Well, the was key enough. got the key got struck. Yeah, but it was the static of the lightning strike that made it happen a hundred yards away. It was still enough electromagnetic that fucking got the key. Anything metal. Like, within fucking 5,000 feet or whatever. You know what I mean? Because a lightning strike is fucking big. Well, the way they do it is saying that the lightning actually struck the key. No, I don't think that happened. I think I think that would have 
A lightning strike is huge. That's why I think lightning strikes happen because they magnetic everything, dude. That fucking's there what is, for miles. It is proved that for uh, miles, lightning strikes have a magnetic field right. on them. So for miles, they do this. So when there's a lightning strike, it's actually fucking recharging our fucking system. It's like every once in a while, God's like, "All right, it's time for to plug in my phone. <laughs> Let's have a couple storms here." That's what he's got to do. I got to fucking plug in my phone. You guys are about to get wet for about 45 minutes, but I'm going to be 80% charged. I get that, but we're going, we're going way, 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 way off on, uh, we, <laughs> we were just talking about fucking 1930s. Wait, wait a minute. Did we already start the show? Uh, no, we, I mean, this is, yeah, we started the oh, show we just way off on, uh, when electricity started and stuff like, holy shit. Well, we're, anyway. just, we're just trying to talk about machine gun Kelly over here. I mean, I don't know what the we're fuck good. is going on. Ah, we're about, we're about to, yeah, this is fucking Outlaws and Gunslingers episode, whatever. What is it? 30 something. It's episode something of Outlaws and Gunslingers. And it we is. are in the Prohibition era. Actually, we're, we're past, in the Prohibition, we're past well, the Prohibition era. See, that's the thing. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because in between. this guy that we're, uh, in between. this guy that we're covering actually had a lot of, uh, a lot of action in the actual Prohibition era because he was a. He was a bootlegger. Right. But his biggest crime that he's known for came Afterwards. in the early 30s in the public right. enemy era, same as Dillinger, That's why um, I love them. Nelson, most all those these, guys. Most so. of these guys are going to bring us back. That's where I always said that yeah, prohibition gonna, right. and public enemy and this type of era is all in one. But we needed to separate it, as Dang said, as I'm, strictly. I'm, I'm not Dang. Or you're, you're dang, man. What are you doing over here, bro? What are you doing? What are you doing, As man? Banks says over here, we need to separate these guys because there was a lot of them that were strictly, yeah, I mean, strictly prohibition running fucking. Right. Yeah. You can't just do. Right. Right. But these guys are doing everything here. But uh, as you guessed, machine, <laughs> machine, machine gun Kelly is the focus of today's episode. Hey, baby. And uh, he is, he, I guess, I guess technically he is a prohibition era criminal. But like I said, his most famous crime was committed during the uh, Bonnie and Clyde Dillinger, Babyface right. Nelson, those years, right. the early, right. early, right after prohibition, early uh, public enemy number one era. And uh, yeah, well, you know how we do it. We're we could have easily, easily done a show with Machine Gun Kelly during prohibition. Sure. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, for sure. But then we would have got into right. what we're doing and now. Have nothing. Right. Um. Yeah, you know how we do it. Beginning of his life all the way up to uh his end, whatever that may be. We'll figure it and out. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out because George Kelly Barnes. That's Machine Gun Kelly. He was born on July eighteenth, eighteen ninety five in Memphis, Tennessee. This, guy, this guy's born eighteen ninety five. I've always had respect for these type of people. Anybody, anybody born from like eighteen actually, yeah, eighteen seventy. <laughs> That's the only people you have a respect for. Not recently. Hey, hey, hey. Right. Anything, anything before 1870. You know, all the uh, right, all the old West people we covered was born well, way, way before 1870. Well, anybody that lived in the in the era of 1870 <laughs> to 18, 1930, I mean, they seen a lot. So you don't of have res- you don't have respect for um, they have a, they seen a lot of. You change. don't have respect for George Washington. Yeah, but he didn't see a lot of change. The dude fucking seen a whole country. Yeah, but he didn't see a lot of change. <laughs> he didn't see a lot of change. This dude literally fucking um, 
seen a whole country, I say I have a whole country uh, separate themselves from another country, right. which was the most dominant country in the world, right. and you're saying he didn't see a lot of change? I'm going, I'm not what are going, you talking about? I'm not going that way with this. <laughs> I'm talking about seeing a lot of change in society and... You're still not. No, these me. guys had. You're a telling plan. me George Washington did see a lot of changes in society. No, they had. He, a, they knew what they were doing. They had a plan. Like we need to make our own shit. That's what we're going to do. That's totally diff- fucking different. <sighs> I'm I'm confused at what you're getting at. Then you have a lot of respect for people that grew up in the 1800s and seen. 1870s, right. So you're getting 1930s. at. You're getting at again. No elect, no electricity. Electricity. Technology. No, saying no is, technology to technology. Right, but is that I'm what saying you're saying? So, is that right, what you're saying? But I'm saying this. So yeah. Uh, George Washington grew up from the time he was born to the time he died. It was the same world. Candlelit dinners, candlelit mornings, candlelit afternoons. (laughs) (laughs) It was a it was a candlelit life. Right. (laughs) That should be like a George Washington. You better hope. You better hope you're not the only child. That should be a George Washington documentary. (laughs) George Washington candlelit diaries. <laughs> right, that's you know, what I'm saying, though. You know, but the people that live from like 18—I mean, I get it. You're you're right. They they grew up in that golden age where electricity was just everything. Started. Yes, they got right. to see everything. Right, they got to witness in less than a hundred years everything. Right, everything. Well, more so, you're you're thinking of people born in early 1900s to the 60s. Those guys too. Early nineteen, early nineteen hundreds like to the sixties, eighteen ninety five. Early nineteen hundreds to the sixties. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly, if he would have lived, he would have. Early nineteen hundreds to the sixties, though, is when like the, the, literally the most technological. Well, yeah, not, but, that, not the most technologically advanced, but that yeah, the, but from the then, early nineteen hundreds to the sixties. Uh, but then the world took the whole, a massive step forward than what they were the previous. Century. Yeah, but then you're missing out on the whole eighteen. After about eighteen fifty is when shit started hitting the fan. Imagine when cars started driving around streets yeah, and shit. Yeah, think about it. 1850, the Civil War was the fight, basically, the fight what's going on. But see, there you are thinking American. There was no, more every, There was yeah, more in the world than stuff. the Civil War. And there, you know what was happening? Do you know how was, many wars? Do you know how many yeah. wars that were going on in the world at While the same the Civil time the Civil was War going? was going on? Yeah. There was revolutions. Yeah. There, there was fucking, the French Revolution was going on around the same time. It's all set it up where we are now. Can I continue? You can. What are we gonna do? We, well, we are we gonna start, go. So. We gonna go back in time again, or no, are right. we gonna stick in the thirties? We're starting now? the show, right? Well, we already started the show. <laughs> oh. Where you at? George Kelly Barnes, who was Machine Gun Kelly, was right. born on July eighteenth, eighteen ninety five, in Memphis, Tennessee, hey. to insurance executive George Frederick Barnes Jr. and Elizabeth Kelly Barnes. Hey. He was raised in a respectable neighborhood and attended. Uh, Central High School. Yeah, but what constitutes as respectable? Well, not not a bunch of murders, I'm assuming. Right. In uh, September 1917, we're jumping uh, 12 years. Damn. He's 12 years old. He enrolled at Mississippi A and wait, what? Oh, I'm sorry, we're jumping 22 years. 22 years. Uh, he enrolled at Mississippi A and M, which is later a Mississippi State University. Okay. At Jackson to study agriculture. Right. Didn't everybody study agriculture right. in the early 1700s? That's all there was. Right. However, However, he was a poor student and was in constant trouble with the faculty. I mean, why wouldn't you be? I mean, he's just a, he's, okay, boys will be boys. Sets the tone for boys uh, will be boys. Sets the tone for the rest of his life, apparently. Well, in his first semester alone, he was given 31 demerits, and in the first few weeks of the second semester, Another 24. Damn, some motherfucker got 55 demerits in the first two semesters alone. Damn. He was like, all right, you know what, fuck it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. 
demerit me all you want. He left college on the 27th of January, <laughs> probably, 1918. Probably a smart choice on his part. Well, while he well. was in college, he met Geneva Ramsey. Okay. Also of Memphis. And the two later married in the year of 1919. Okay. Afterward, he went to work as a taxi driver. And the couple had two children. His wife soon divorced him and would later say that she divorced him. And I quote, because he was running in bad company. Okay. In fact, mm. she had to advertise notice to get a divorce because she didn't know <laughs> where to reach him. She had to put a fucking ad out in the in fucking the newspaper to be like, hey, searching, calling all, uh, calling George Kelly Barnes. <laughs> if you see this, George, I want a divorce. George Kelly Barnes, please notify him that I am divorcing his ass. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute here. That's fucked up. That's fantastic. That's fucked up. Well, in the meantime, George began to operate as a small-time criminal, obviously, involved in moonshining and bootlegging. Okay. Well, after a few arrests, he headed west and adopted the alias of George R. Kelly. Oh, no. Oh, shit. George R. Kelly? R. Kelly's don't uh, end up no, well, uh, no. no matter who you are. Right. Well, he was again arrested for bootlegging in Santa Fe, New Mexico on March 14th, 1927. Okay, so we got a little pattern going on here. Well, convicted, he spent a few months in the New Mexico State Penitentiary. After his release, he went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he was arrested for vagrancy. What is up with these guys with vagrancy? Right. I mean, they on, uh, nowhere to go. July 24th of that same year, he was arrested again in Tulsa for bootlegging on January 12th, 1928. This guy, you know, you guys have seen it already. Typical He's, fucking rap sheet of a, a notorious criminal. Right. That's all they do is just get arrested. It's a little petty, though. Petty shit. And here we see uh, a picture of Machine Gun Kelly and, and his chick. Catherine Thorne. Who we're going to hear about now and uh, what, what made his name, what his name was. So. Well, Machine Gun Kelly then drifted to Oklahoma City. He hooked up with bootlegger Little Steve Anderson. Okay, so he's a bootlegger right now. Right. Well, there, he also met Catherine Thorne, which there you just imagine. There she uh, is. There she Anderson's is. attractive mistress. Oh, so he took, a fucking, oh. he took the chick from Anderson, huh? Right. Mm. George and Catherine soon developed a romance. And ran off together. They're like, we need to go. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> and we will take Anderson Cadillac. Well, it's allegedly. A, it's a, yeah, allegedly in Anderson's right. Cadillac. Right. That's fucked up. Well, Catherine, who had been married several times oh, up shit. to this point, was also involved in bootlegging and had a record of her own, including prostitution and theft. So this bitch is the fucking, uh, she's uh, promiscuous anyway, right? Is that what you promiscuous, want to say? Promiscuous, yeah. Right. I would say that. She's like a Bonnie in her own right, right? Right. I'll right? Say, I'm, yeah, right? right. Well, she was said to have been a tough woman hey. who often frequented, frequented speakeasies and could drink liquor like water, quote unquote. I miss Billy the Kid. Oh. What does that have to do with this? Oh, Catherine and Bonnie. I miss Bonnie the little girl. <laughs> She frequented speakeasies and could uh, drink liquor like water. She also oh, ran. drinking liquor like water. Water was tough to drink back then, too. <laughs> right. I think liquor would be uh, right. more easy to drink back then. So Right. And she also ran with a crowd of other tough women. So they had like a crowd of, there was like a gang of women like, hey, see? Like they had their little handkerchiefs tied right. around their fucking head as uh, right. um, headbands. Yeah, I get it. Don't mess with us. Right. Women, women beaters. Right. 
Well, it was Catherine who was said to have bought Kelly his first Thompson submachine gun. Oh. From which he earned the nickname Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, from Kathy. Yeah. Kathy's Machine Gun Kelly. Right. He became so proficient with the gun that he could write his name in lead and knock walnuts off a fence at Dude, 25 paces. I guarantee you that's what this guy did all fucking day. Because he was like, this is badass. Well, rumors is that she was uh, he was never a gun guy. And she she bought him it and convinced him, hey, babe, you need to go out in the woods and practice with this because you're going to need it someday. Right. So <clears throat> trust me, if you're with me, <laughs> right. you're going to need this shit someday. Shooting walnuts off a fence at 25 paces. That's, oh. that's, that's pretty fucking. And with a submachine gun. With dude. a submachine with gun. With a submachine gun. <clears throat> that's fantastic. That is fucking great. That is fucking good. Wow. 13th January, 1928. Federal prohibition agents caught Kelly. He was smuggling liquor. Uh, onto Indian reservations, and uh, Kelly was tried in a federal court in the city of Tulsa in the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> and he sentenced to three years. Yes, he was. Leavenworth Penitentiary. Everybody knows Kansas. what Leavenworth is. Everybody knows what Leavenworth is. Especially back in the day. Leavenworth was the, uh, the spot. Alcatraz of the time. The Gitmo. Right? No, well, I don't know about Gitmo. That's Same a, thing. That's a little, uh, a little yeah. extreme. It was here that he made his first real connections with the criminal underworld. Okay, so I mean, now. Oh, now here we go. George the, Young situation going on here, right? Right. He's got. What do you say? He went in there with a bachelor in uh, weed and came out with a doctor in cocaine. cocaine. Yeah. This motherfucker came out bachelor in horse horse ba- fucking bachelor in um, bank robber and came out with a fucking doctor. Well, at this time, he was only what? Oh, it was. He was bootlegging. He went bootlegging, in with a bachelor yeah. bootlegging and came out with a doctor of bank robbing and. Right. Good stuff. Anyway, this is in Tulsa. Tulsa. He's in Leavenworth. Well, he went to Kansas in the Leavenworth yeah, Penitentiary. Yeah, he went to Leavenworth in Kansas. It was here that he made his first real connections with the criminal underworld. Yes, as he I did. Said that already. Yes, he did. Such as? Such as? Texas banker, Charlie Harmon. <laughs> well, he wasn't a banker. Oh. <laughs> I guess he was. Right? I guess. <laughs> I'm in the banking business. <laughs> uh, Texas bank robber. Robber. Charlie Harmon. Okay. Frank Jilly Nash. Okay. Who was serving time for train robbery. Okay, so we got a bank robber and a train robber. All right. Francis Keating and Thomas Holden, who are also in prison for train robbery. So he's got three train robbers and, and a, bank a bank robber, robber. fucking uh, uh, mentoring him pretty mentoring much. Mentoring right now. He's like, And that's what we're going to see here because on February 28, 1930, which is uh, two years after he went to prison, Keating and Holden escaped prison and fled to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh. That same year, Kelly and Charlie Harmon were released and joined Keaton and Holden. Oh, so now these these four are fucking together. They're, they're great. Also making her way north was Catherine Thorne, and uh. she and George Kelly were married in Minneapolis in September of 1930. Oh, her eighth husband at the time. I don't know if it's her eighth, but they said several Sounds times. a lot. So, right. Well, the four men, along with several others, including Frank Jelly Nash, Harvey Bailey, all became part of the Keating Holding Gang. Oh, the Keating Holding Gang. Everybody knows about the Keating Holding Gang. The gang then began a spree of robberies. They first robbed a bank uh, in William, Minnesota, 15th of July in the year of 1930. Okay. Guess is, what they got away is, with? This is they got uh, away with $70,000. This is becoming very uh, Old West, Wild West esque stories. Yeah, no, they got away with 70 grand though. 70 grand, which is probably uh, equivalent to about a mill nowadays. After a dispute led by Vern Miller, three of the gang members, Mike Ruzik, Frank Wenny Coleman, and Samuel Jew Sammy Stein, were found shot to death. Oh no. They shot dead at the White Bear Lake. 
The gang then robbed a bank in Lincoln, Nebraska, 9th of September, year 1930, making off with $4 million. These guys... Four million in nineteen thirty. This is by far the biggest, the biggest heist. fucking, um, the biggest fucking bank, bank robbery, robbery we've ever seen so far on this show. Equivalent to about sixteen million today, probably <laughs> more, way more than that. Yeah, way more than that. Probably right. fifty million. Right. Wow. That's fucking crazy. These greedy motherfuckers. They're right. like, well, guess what they did after that? <laughs> we're going to Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, or we're just gonna travel around. Let's just fucking rob banks. Right. And they did it. And they fucking did. Wow. Well, unfortunately for Harmon, he would be killed on November 19th, 1931, following a $100,000 bank robbery with Holden and Keating at Menomonee. Wait, these motherfuckers got a $4 million fucking job. Payout, dude. They got a $4 million payout and then fucking... Going to do a $100,000 bank job. Right. Come on. Hey, man, you got to get all you can get. All <laughs> you can get apparently. But he was killed in that bank robbery November 19th, 1931, with Holden and Keating at Menomonee, Wisconsin. Oh, no. Francis Keating and Thomas Holden joined with the Alvin Carpus Barker gang to rob a bank in Fort Scott, Kansas, on June 17, 1932. Uh, Keating and Holden were arrested a month later oh, after that. Shit. So uh, uh, Machine Gun Kelly don't have his boys no more. No. Nope. Here we see a uh, $1,200 reward. $1,200 reward for Kate Barker, Arthur Doc Barker, Fred Barker, and, oh, wait, we're going to read about these guys here coming up. Right. Well, Kelly participated in some of the robberies and at other times lived with his wife, Catherine, in Fort Worth, Texas. He's like, uh, not this one, guys. <laughs> He's like, they're like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to live with my wife. Right, just for a little. I'll live with my wife now, and then I'll come, I'll come on the next one, okay? Right. His list of underworld associates grew as he made his way from Texas to Kansas City. Then he went to Chicago. Then he went to Minneapolis. He became acquainted with members of the Kid Can Syndicate in Minneapolis with Chicago Mobsters, also with Elvin Carpus and the Barkers. This dude had fucking affiliates everywhere. All from in the Midwest. All everywhere. The Midwest, it was everywhere. Anywhere, any state he went in the Midwest, he was fucking, he knew somebody. Down in Missouri. Still Missouri's Midwest, pretty much. South, South though. Uh, His accomplices on various crimes included Eddie Bentz, Eddie Dull. And Albert Bates. So this guy's all over. All over. This guy all over. Well, he didn't just stop at robbing banks and bootlegging because uh, what he would become most famous for, his first venture into this uh, thing that he would become most famous for. What was that? His first venture into kidnapping occurred. Oh. Kidnapping occurred at South Bend, Indiana on January 27, 1932, when Howard Wolverton, a local manufacturer and banker's son, was driving home from a theater with his wife. They were forced off the road by another car. Well, two gunmen then entered the car, and Howard Wolverton was ordered to drive out of town. Okay. Following the two gunmen was another vehicle. Two miles outside of the city, one of the gunmen took Wolverton back to the vehicle that had followed and left his wife, Florence, with a note demanding $50,000 ransom. Oh. Well, those kidnappers, they were George Kelly and Eddie Dow. Of course they were. After driving a blindfolded Wolverton around northern Indiana for two days. (laughs) The victim finally convinced his kidnappers he was unable to pay the ransom. He was released on the outskirts of Michigan City. Okay, Chicago, that's in Illinois. On his promise to raise the money later, he was like, I'll raise the fucking money. The Wolverton later received threatening letters and phone calls demanding the money. He ignored those. Oh, no, he's got his girl. Right, they he, got their girl, and he's still ignoring them. All right. 
Wow. Well, Kelly wow. then reverted back to bank robbery. He was what like, what uh, happened with the chick? He's like, he's like, this thing going nowhere. Did just let it go? I guess so. I don't know. What? Well, he were then reverted back to bank robbery. On September 21st, 1932, Kelly, along with Albert Bates and Edward Bentz, robbed the first trust and savings bank at Colfax, Washington of $77,000. They're doing petty fucking jobs. Well, it's not petty. $77,000. $4 Well... Warrants were issued for the trio in Kelly's home in Fort Worth was raided in November, but no one was at home at the time. Eddie Bence was arrested in Dallas in the post office, and he admitted to knowing Kelly and Bates, but he was like, I didn't fucking participate in that Colfax robbery. Mm. Get the fuck out of here. No, you talking about? You got the wrong guy. Right. However. However. He told the police that Kelly and Bates often hid on a Texas farm, but didn't know the location. Bence was released on bond and later fled. Of course obviously. he did. Of course he did. Well, later that year, in November of, uh, November 30th, 1932. November, I just want to say November 30th is probably one of the, the best days ever. Well, it's probably in the, the worst world. ever, actually. Besides December 25th, it's probably the second best day. November 30th, 1983 was probably the worst day that ever <laughs> happened in fucking uh, the history of the world, to be honest with you. But hey, we'll go there. We'll get we'll get to the 80s <laughs> soon enough. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but on November 30th, 1932, Kelly Bates, Eddie Dahl, and another man robbed the Citizen State Bank hey. at Tupelo, Tupelo, Mississippi of $38,000. What the fuck? And they cracked a beer afterwards. Right. Kelly and other criminals were also linked to bank robberies in Denton and Blue Ridge, Texas at this time. I mean, these, these dudes are just, everywhere. There's nickel and diamond. They're like, and I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. Right. I went to Minnesota, Missouri, Texas, and Illinois, and Leavenworth, and uh, yeah, you know, they did well, stuff. Well, anyway, next, George Kelly, along with his wife, Catherine, and fellow outlaw, Albert L. Bates. They had to plan to kidnap wealthy Oklahoma oil man Charles F. Urschel. Yes, this is where uh, he fucked up. This will become Machine Gun Kelly's most famous crime. It would also end his fucking whole career. Um, Criminal. Yes, anything. this is the uh, crime I was talking about that uh, he's famous for in this era. That's why he wasn't included in our Prohibition era. This is, but this is where he fucking yeah. Um, Oklahoma oil man. Charles F. Urschel. This oil man's worth millions upon millions of dollars. Probably nice. the most, one of the most famous men in the region or in the country at this time. Richest at men in the country. Right. Well, at 11.15 p.m. on Saturday, July 22nd, 1933, Mr. and Mrs. Charles F. Urschel were playing bridge with their friends, Mr. and Mrs. Walter R. Jarrett. Uh-oh. The women aren't even important. They don't right. even nope. get names. Nope. You know. Nope. On a screen porch of the Urschel residence at Oklahoma City. Okay. Two men... One armed with a machine gun and the other with a pistol opened the screen door and inquired which of the two men was Mr. Urschel. So they busted in. Right, who's like, who? Which one's... Who's, uh, who's Charles? We want to know who Charles is. Tell us who right. Charles is. Right. And the women are screaming like, shut the fuck up. Right. Shut the fuck up. No one's saying anything. Well, these guys are like, all right, and you guys don't want to fucking say anything? We'll take you both. After warning the women against calling for help, they marched Urschel and Jarrett to the car Uh-oh. and drove away rapidly. Rapidly. They were like, skirt. Mrs. Urschel immediately <laughs> telephoned the FBI. Of course Damn, she did. Shit, Damn, FBI. she had the FBI on fucking speed dial. Wow. <laughs> and then special agents were sent to Oklahoma City, where an extensive investigation commenced. So, uh, yeah. Wow. She was like, immediately. Right. 
FBI. What's the number of the FBI? Right. She's like, oh, don't worry. I got that shit. <laughs> I got that shit. Right in my... Uh, shit. Tucked it in my bra. Right. Well, in the meantime, the victims had uh, been driven to a point about 12 miles northeast of the city, and after the captives were identified, Jarrett was released. Oh. At about 1 a.m. Sunday, July 23rd, 1933, Jarrett made his way back to the Ursho residence. Oh. So they still had Ursho, but Jarrett, damn, they, they didn't want good him. for them. Good yeah. for them they for actually out. releasing right. uh, Jarrett. Uh, you know, right. they only wanted the guy. Right. Well, seven days elapsed before word was received from the kidnappers. Kelly and his gang wanted two hundred thousand dollars. They the just oil made it. Was that four million? And was that four million and a typo? It had to have been. There's, There's no, no way they netted four million dollars. Yeah, and they only want two hundred thousand right. dollars for this guy. Right. What the fuck happened to the $4 million? Right. Hmm. Well, supposedly they only wanted $200,000 for the oil tycoon and set up an elaborate system for the handling of their captive and the delivery of the ransom. As most do, I would assume, right? The money was to be delivered to a hotel in Kansas City on the 30th of July, which it was. Which it was. The next day, hmm. kidnappers let Ursho go. Okay. Ursho arrived home exhausted at about 11.30 p.m. on the 31st of July. Okay, so he came back home. So everything worked out. They got their money. But. How ill. This is where it gets uh, good. He was unharmed and, although blindfolded some of the time, he was able to provide a number of clues to authorities. From his descriptions, the FBI determined that he was held for two days in two homes near Paradise, Texas. During this time, Urshel heard the voices of two men, one older and one younger, and a woman as well as those of his captors. Mm. So there was his two captors, Bunch, yeah. a woman, and uh, two other people. Right. This dude uh, is mm. pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, He's like, I'm, I'm being aware of everything. Isn't that what they say, though? Right. When one, of your, one of your senses go, the <laughs> others heighten a little bit. So I mean, if, he was, if he was blindfolded, Imagine. if he was blindfolded most of the time, it's obvious that his hearing... Would have to adapt to Well, that. imagine you being right? blindfolded and tied to a chair. Right. You're going to fucking use gonna, everything gonna, you have. You're going to be fucking um, your hearing, hearing is as be, much right. as you can. Right. Your hearing is going right. to be your, your you best. So. Right. Wow. Well, no effort was made by the barrel to apprehend the kidnappers until after release of Urshel. An extensive investigation was being conducted. Of course. So they're like, all right, we're going to. We're going to investigate this shit. Right. Extensively. Extensively, right. <laughs> Before, it was just like, yeah, you know, we got other things on our plate, but you're back now, so right. we're, we're going to do a pretty extensive uh, investigation here. Yeah. Well, as early of July 24, two days after Ursha was kidnapped, mm-hmm. information was obtained indicating the probability that George R. Okay. And Catherine Thorne Kelly... We're involved in this very crime. They're like, we got them. It's George and Catherine. It's Machine Gun and Caddy. Right. Consequently. They're like, you know, she gave him his first uh, Tommy gun, right? Right. They're like, yeah, I know. That's why they call him Machine Gun Kelly. You know? Right. Uh, right. Consequently. Consequently. An exhaustive investigation oh, was commenced. Not only was it extensive, but it was also exhaustive. Right. So. <laughs> right. Turning no stones. Right. Wait. We They're leaving to, no stones yeah, unturned. <laughs> unturned, and we want to find out where the whereabouts right. of these individuals has been. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what they promised. So that's what they're doing here. Well, the agents quickly determined. Quickly. Oh, shit. So After, it was It wasn't extensive. At all. It was extensive, exhausted. But quickly. And ended up quickly. And quickly. And quickly. <laughs> uh, they determined that the Kellys enjoyed many luxuries, including high-powered automobiles and expensive jewelry, 
without any visible means of support. Well, okay. we know what their support was. Right. Well, after Urshel was debriefed, the Bureau's activities centered on locating the houses in which Urshel was held and bringing about the apprehension and conviction of the kidnappers. Mm. Okay, so what are they? What are they? What, what's the conclusion they came right. to? Right. Well, the Bureau soon discovered that Robert G. Shannon, okay, and his wife, Ora L. Shannon, all right, Catherine Kelly's mother. They lived near Paradise, Texas. So they're like, all right, these guys lived by Paradise. So Aura, Aura was Catherine Kelly's mother. All right. So like all these guys lived by Paradise. It was also determined that Robert Shannon's son, Armin Shannon, lived on a ranch about a mile and a half from of his father. Okay. So we got everybody nearby, and now it's starting to make sense. Right. Well, after this information was obtained, the Shannon residence was raided in the early morning of August 12th, 1933. Arrested was Harvey J. Bailey, a notorious criminal and gunman right. who had escaped from the Kansas State Penitentiary at Lansing, Kansas on May 30th, 1933. Robert, Ora, and Armin Shannon were also taken into custody. I mean, this is more of the stupidity. It's like, you guys don't know. I mean, come on. <clears throat> you can't put two and two together. Did they not care? They thought they were... <laughs> Thank you for finishing my... Uh, <laughs> we're so closely knitted that he finishes my sentences. <laughs> I mean, come on. Hey, finish this one. <laughs> finish this one. Yeah, fuck you. Hey. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Robert, Ora, and Armin, who are clearly uh, family members of Catherine... Why would they go there? I don't. Why would they go to their fucking family Stupidity. members' houses? It doesn't make Come sense on. at all. Idiots! Idiots! Man, it just proves that these cops, these uh, law enforcement, were way smarter than these gangsters. In the end, all right, we gave pretty too much. much credit to police. <laughs> to what we got now, right? Ah, Harvey Bailey was discovered with a machine gun, mm-hmm. two automatic pistols. Oh damn! Eleven hundred dollars in cash. Okay. The FBI soon determined that $700 of the money found on Bailey was used in the payment of ransom for Urshel's release and that the machine gun had been purchased at Fort Worth, Texas by, you guessed it, old Catherine. She loved purchasing her her guns, apparently. Well, Charles Urshel was then able to identify the two houses as those in which he had been held. How could he identify them if he'd been blindfolded? He also identified the Shannons as the people who had stood guard over him. After the Shannons were questioned thoroughly, they admitted that Urshel had been held at their residences and that he had been kidnapped by George Kelly and Albert L. Bates. Oh, shit. So they flipped. Flippers. They're fucking flippers. Albert Bates, a hardened criminal with a lengthy criminal record, taken into custody in Denver, August 12th, 1933. Just on a local charge, probably drunk and disorderly or some shit. Some vagrancy. (laughs) Probably, Bacon. At the time of his arrest, he had in his possession $660. Okay. Later identified by borough agents as part of the Urshel ransom money. Oh. So they, they so, take okay. serial so they, numbers up So they money? had marked numbers. The serial numbers right. of the ransom bills were found to have been circulated to banks throughout oh. the United States, many of which were located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. The bills were traced and several money changers, quote unquote, were arrested. So they're able to fucking put a, a blanket around where this shit's happening. And identify everybody involved. So they're saying these guys went and changed their money in right. <clears throat> to the banks because they probably knew it was marked. So they were trying to change the money in right. for other money. Right. And, it, and, and then they discovered them at the banks and then several money changers, quote unquote, 
from the banks were uh, arrested after that. Like, hey, you guys, uh, you guys knew what you were doing. Of course, they you did. guys were, uh, you guys were exchanging illegal bills here. Right. Mm. Mm. This just on starting to unravel altogether, isn't it? All together. Oh wow! Wow. Twenty third of August, nineteen thirty three. All of those that had already been arrested, plus George and Catherine. We're indicted in Oklahoma City. Okay, so George is like, indicted! Catherine's like, just calm down, George. No, we're indicted! Indicted! No. (laughs) (laughs) And other guys are like, indicted! Indicted! (laughs) Yes, indicted! Indicted! Uh, And she's like, no, calm the fuck down. (laughs) It's a conspiracy. (laughs) It's a conspiracy. (laughs) Right. It was a conspiracy. Right, they're going to charge on conspiracy to kidnap Charles F. Urschel. Okay, so now the old charge of uh, kidnapping. On Urschel. Right. On September 19th, Charles Urschel received a blood-curdling letter from Chicago. Oh, no. Now, bear with me, guys. Oh, no. I'm going to clear my throat. So, Charles Urschel, the victim, right? The victim. As the, is kid, re- the kidnappy. The kidnappy is receiving a blood-curdling letter a blood from Chicago. blood-curdling letter from Chicago. What I'm kind bear- of Chicago? Is, bear- it like, is it the news or a person uh, from no, Chicago? It's, it's in, from the city of Chicago. Oh, obviously. it's from the city of Chicago? Uh, bear with me because this is a uh, long letter. So. Okay, and I quote, Just a few lines to let you know that I'm getting my plans made to destroy your so-called mansion and you and your family immediately after this trial. Hmm. And young fellow... I guess you've begun to realize your serious mistake. Are you ignorant enough to think the government can guard you forever? Are you? I gave you credit for more sense than that, and I figured you thought too much of your family to jeopardize them as you have. He's wrong. But if you don't look out for them, why should we? Right. I dislike hurting the innocent, but I told you exactly what would happen, and you can bet $200,000 more everything I said will be true. You were living on borrowed time now. Right. You know that the Shannon family are victims of circumstances the same as you was. You don't seem to mind prosecuting the innocent. Neither will I have conscious qualms over brutally murdering your family. The Shannons have put the heat on, but I don't desire to see them prosecuted as they are innocent, and I have a much better method of settling with them. As far as the guilty being punished, you would probably have lived the rest of your life in peace had you tried only the guilty. But if the Shannons are convicted, look out, and God help you, for he is the only one that will be able to do you any good. In the event of my arrest... I've already formed an outfit to take care of and destroy you and yours the same as if I was there. I'm spending your money to have you and your family killed. Nice, eh? Uh-huh. You are bucking people who have cash, planes, bombs, and unlimited connection both here and abroad. I have friends in Oklahoma City that know every move and every plan you make, and you are still too dumb to figure out the finger man there. Oh, so he's like, you dumb son of a bitch. If my brain was no larger than yours, the government would have had me long ago. As it is, I am drinking good. As it is, I am drinking good beer, and will get to see you and your family like I should have left you at first, stone dead. So basically, saying he's living. What he's is, living a good life, and right. he should have fucking killed you long ago. Right. I don't worry about Bates and Bailey. They will be out for the ceremonies. Your slaughter. Now say it's up to you. If the Shannons are convicted, you can get another rich wife in hell, because that will be the only place you can use one. Right. Adios, smart one. Your worst enemy. G E O R Kelly. George Kelly. I will put my fingertip I will put my fingerprints below so you can't say some crank wrote this. Oh. Wow. Oh. That is a blood curdling uh, uh letter. Is. This dude's like, you better back the fuck off because right. uh, I will fucking have your whole family killed. Right. This dude's writing this from prison like he wouldn't get caught writing this, first of all. The fuck are you doing, dude? Right. 
30 September, the jury returned a verdict of guilty <laughs> against Robert G. Shannon. And they did Shannon. it anyways. And they did it anyways. Guilty against Robert G. Shannon, Ora L. Shannon, Armin Shannon, Elba L. Bates, Harvey J. Bailey, Clifford Skelly, and Barney Berman. <laughs> I'm Barney Berman. 7th of October, 1933, Harvey J. Bailey, Elba L. Bates, R.G. Shannon, and R.L. Shannon were each sentenced to life, life in prison. Armin Shannon, 10 years probation. Oh, good for him. Right. <laughs> got out Edward Barney Berman and Clipper Skelly were each sentenced to serve five years. Okay, so, well, mm. that uh, letter backfired on old uh, machine gun, huh? Sure fuck did. Well, in the meantime, the Kellys were still at large while this is all going on. They, too, were tracked down and arrested in Memphis, Tennessee on September 26, 1933. They were returned to Oklahoma City and were convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment on October 12, 1933. Wow. So you got both husband and wife. Gone. Bye. At least they didn't get uh, ambushed and murdered. 37 fucking bullets uh, pumped into them. Several other people were charged with harboring a fugitive. When the investigation and trials were complete, and astounding, 21 people okay. were convicted of various crimes with the sentences including six life, six life sentences and other sentences totaling 58 years, two months, and three days. So these guys got put away. They got, they got made example six of. Six life sentences, right. 58 years for one, two months for right. one, three days for another one. Right. These guys got uh, made example of. I would say, right? Well, George Machine Gun Kelly was initially sent to the federal penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas. Again, in August 1934, Kelly was transferred to Alcatraz after making threats to free himself and his wife from prison in time for the Christmas holidays. Hey. When he arrived at Alcatraz on September 4th, 1934, he was among the first groups of prisoners to be incarcerated there. Oh, so he shit. pretty much opened up uh, Alcatraz. He pretty much opened up Alcatraz, huh? Nice for Machine Gun Wonder Kelly. if he uh, knew the Birdman. Right. Didn't, isn't that a thing? Didn't uh, the Birdman know? Alcatraz, yeah. Didn't the Birdman know? Uh, Machine Gun oh, Kelly. Oh, no, it was Capone. Yeah. 1951, he was returned to the federal penitentiary in Leavenworth. They're like, all right, enough time over here. You need to come back to Leavenworth. Where he died of a heart attack on his 59th birthday. Oh, there it is. On his 59th birthday. There it is. July 18, 1954. There it is. He was buried in Cottondale Cemetery in Cottondale, Wise County, Texas. All right. Well, on the flip side of that, Catherine Kelly was released from prison in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1958. Wow. Her mother, Ora Shannon, was released the same year. So oh, mommy and mommy and daughter got Your released. Mommy's still alive. Right. Wow. Upon their release, the two lived quietly in Oklahoma City. Well, later her mother was institutionalized at the Oklahoma County yeah, Home and Hospital in Oklahoma City, and Catherine was given a job there as a bookkeeper. Oh, damn! Ora Shannon died in 1980 at the age of 19, or at the age of 19, at the age of 92. She's a long life. Catherine Kelly died at the age of 81 in 1985. Both women were buried at the Tecumseh Cemetery near Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So yeah, they. Uh, they lived, I mean, they lived their lives. Her daughter and here only, we her, see... Her daughter only lived five years after her mother. Here we see both of them getting released from prison. They you, look exactly You wouldn't the same. even see who, who was who. That's what I was saying. They, exactly they look exactly the same. same. If I had to guess, that's the mama. Obviously. That's Aura. That's Catherine. I mean, it's, and they're both old-ass women, dude. If you had to guess. <laughs> right. Well, Aura and Catherine, so I'm guessing, right? All right. Robert Boss Shannon was pardoned by President Roosevelt in 1944 on to ill health. What? He returned to Paradise, Texas, and he died in a Bridgeport, Texas hospital, 25th December, 
1956. Oh, Christmas Day, uh, that was his present. Go see Satan. <laughs> All right. Albert Bates, he died at Alcatraz on July 4th, 1948. Harvey Bailey was paroled in 1961, but was rearrested by Kansas authorities who still wanted him for his 1933 prison break. Oh. Yeah, this motherfucker walked out of prison. Yeah, and was instantly uh, met by Kansas fucking guys. I was like, nah, right. you're going back to prison. Well, he was eventually paroled from the Kansas Penitentiary in 1965. That's uh, only four more years. All right. And spent his last years in Joplin, Missouri, working as a cabinet maker. Well, look at this dude. He's making a good life. Right. Well, he died on March 1st, 1979 at the ripe old age of 91. Wow. These guys are making out fucking great so far, right? right? Thomas Holden. Release Alcatraz, 1948. Okay. The next year, murdered his wife and her two No! Boys. Holden Thomas! You were supposed to... Come on, come you were supposed on. to continue We had a good spread. thing going what on here. What the hell, man? We had a good thing going on. You were supposed to live until 85, at least. Right. Well, <laughs> anyway, yeah, in 1948, uh, the next year, 1949, he murdered his wife. Oh, no. Her two brothers. And her two brothers. And a, a drunken, drunken brawl, brawl in Chicago. He was subsequently oh, captured in Beaverton, Oregon, and spent his remaining years in the state penitentiary. Oh, fucking Thomas. In Joliet, Illinois. Thomas. Well, Francis Keaton reportedly lived peacefully in the years following his release from Alcatraz and is said to have died in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota in 1978. Around 60 something. He did it. He did it. He did it. Well, today, Machine Gun Kelly is remembered. Along with the likes of Pretty Boy Floyd. Yes, he is. Babyface Nelson. Yep. Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. Uh-huh. They are all regarded as one of the most famous criminals that made up the Midwest crime wave in the early 1930s. Which is exactly where we are in this uh, exactly. in this time frame of outlaws exactly. and gunslingers. Exactly. So there you have it. You know that we're going to cover baby... Uh, Babyface Nelson, Pretty Boy Floyd, John Dillinger. I don't know why he wasn't mentioned right. in there. Um, a couple other guys were there. Machine Gun Kelly, we could have easily, like I said at the beginning, we could have easily covered him as a Prohibition era. But as you can see, most of the good shit happened. Most of the good shit right. happened after Prohibition. Right. So that's Machine Gun Kelly. I, I, I couldn't think of another a better episode to uh, follow up. Bonnie and Clyde with and Machine oh, Gun Kelly. That's actually good. Bunch of shit happened with this guy, work. dude. No, because I mean, it does work. Because they're they're doing their crimes after. I mean, they did their little petty. They shit. They did their little petty shit with the, and then with the prohibition. He served his time with prohibition. Right. He did time when for came bootlegging out, and all he, that stuff. Yeah. Right when he came out, he actually adapted to what's right. going on and fucking was like, all right, this is right. Now. It's not about alcohol. It's about this. Right, and there you have it, folks. That's Machine Gun Kelly from his life. Being born all the way up until uh, his death, his death, as well as the outcome of all of his uh, associates and all the people involved in his story. Right, and there's more. There's and there's people that we're going to cover that we got. Babyface Nelson, we got Pretty Boy Floyd, we got John Dillinger, we got. That's just the famous guys. We right. got we got Mine loads are. of we got loads, loads of uh loads. Not so famous people in this in the same era coming up. You already that know did, how we do it on outlaws more and gunslingers. That probably did more gruesome crimes than these guys. Well, we'll see coming up in the coming weeks. Oh, it's gonna be nice. We got a good at least three months of uh public enemy era. Right. Great. That's just public enemy era. That's right. just that's just till nineteen thirty five. Right. From thirty five to to 40. And then we got 35 to 40 coming up. Then we got 40s, 50s, greaser. Oh, dude, we got so much fucking shit before we actually get to the, mo- 
the mafia, which oh, is going to be our bread and, and, and butter, which is yeah, a year's worth of fucking uh, shit. Oh, that's way, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's super you guys got to stick around with us because we got so much shit coming up. What we're doing right now is we're fucking telling a story and we're leading you up to the climax. And uh, mm-hmm. the problem is, there's this is the type of story that has climaxes within. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much shit. There's climaxes in each era. There's so much shit going on at the same time. Right. That we're trying to cover it one like one category at a time. Right. So these you are can't. the so these are the like we did prohibition. These are just prohibition fucking people. Right. But we have when we cover the mafia, we'll be going back to the twenties and thirties to to the people that but you're also, were in you know the what? mafia. We're miss we missed out on at least another fifty other people that has nothing pertaining to what we're doing. Like the fucking yeah, but they don't have they don't have they don't have episode worthy stories. They do. You got the serial. They don't. That, that's what I'm saying. You got your serial killers. You got your fucking yeah, uh, but we're not doing other, serial killers. I'm saying the other stuff. We're not doing serial killers. All right, our other stuff is just not there. Oh, that's what, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of other fucking crimes and notorious crimes being committed at right. the same times so we're doing these. Right. But that's 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 not the show. Mm-mm. It's outlaws and gunslingers, son. I'm saying. Outlaws and gunslingers. When we say outlaws and gunslingers, I mean anybody that's an outlaw. You know it, right. And they gangs. Gun. Gangs and criminals and all that shit. Not serial killers. We can do a whole separate fucking uh thing on serial killers right. if you know. Right. If you want that, then email us at bangdangpodcast at gmail.com and say, Hey guys, do a serial killer uh, fucking uh spinoff. Spoiler. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We'll do it. Spoiler alert. A certain favorite co-host of you guys. Um, spoiler alert: Dang's gonna do that by himself. So uh, I would look, look for Dang's. Uh, I would. Look for Dang's. I would, yeah, I look would. for Dang's serial killer spinoff I show. Myself, it'd be a certain co-host. Look too. for Dang's serial killer uh, spinoff show. There. You're not gonna be in that. Probably not. You're not gonna be in that. <laughs> no. No. Got enough. Got enough stuff on my plate. Trying to come up with every episode of this. Like I want to do that. Fuck yeah, you do. We'll be back next week. I'll bring week. you in as a guest. We'll be back. We can, we can do every special. We, do <laughs> <laughs> we can do special guests like every, week. every once a month. Every week. Well, we'll be back next week for probably. Uh, we ain't doing any of these guys next week. So gonna, it's going to be a new guy. Yeah, we'll find somebody. But uh, we're not doing any of these guys. Or now, if you guys enjoyed any of our back and forth banter that we did, especially at the beginning, that we went to right. through so much. Right. Weird ass uh, back Wait, and forth is the banter. Of the show going to be on here. Of course it is. Oh, nice. We went through so much weird back and forth banter like that. If you guys That's enjoyed, if you guys enjoy that, you go check us out at the Bang and Dang Show. Just search that, and we and crack a beer while you're doing we it. Fact search that we wherever fact you our, get well, your. As best uh, we can we fact checked ourselves? Whatever we say, we look that shit up. We're not spewing fucking lies, and if one of us are lying, we fucking figure it out, and then we get the real story. That's what we do. Can I continue the yeah. plug? Yeah, can ahead. I continue the plug? Go ahead, bud. You can check us out at the Bang Dang Show. Hey. Wherever you get your podcast. Anything and everything. Just search the Bang and Dang Show. It'll pop right up. That's it. Or we Mouth do, of Michiganders. We do similar shit like this. We just released an episode, very special episode, with uh, Cousin Mike's podcast debut, where we talk about our recent rafting trip that we just went on last weekend. Who's Great ass fucking rafting? We are... yeah so we talk about just off uh, shit like that whatever comes to our mind that's the bang and dang show and then also go check out the monday night watch long where we went back from the first episode of monday nitro and we watched the main events of each monday nitro and raw plus 
all the pay-per-views Let's in between. We rate them. We uh, we, deci- we decide who really won Let's the Monday Night steam, War. I think we relaunched this. It's gaining some steam since we relaunched it. So, so uh, uh, I think we got something going on here, guys. We're almost we're almost at a hundred episodes. 100 here. episodes, and this is from here on out. I'm telling you what. When we say a hundred episodes, we're not even still to the greatness of Stone Cold, The Rock. Yeah, we're only in. Uh, uh, we're currently in July of... Uh, Sting hasn't even really done anything yet. We're currently in July of 1997. Right. Goldberg so. hasn't done anything yet. Got a lot of stuff going on. Bret Hart ain't in WCW. So we, so we got we still got Kane debuting at the Hell in Cell, which in, in, in my mind, uh, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at Hell in Cell is probably one of the best, ma- best matches each of those bet, ever bet had. Best matches. And that was the same night that Stone Cold broke his fucking neck. So a lot of stuff happened. So we got a lot of stuff going on, man. A lot not, of stuff. not the same night that. No, the same night. Not the same night that Kane debuted. Yes, same no. fucking night. SummerSlam is our next pay per view, actually. In oh, SummerSlam '97. So cool. Oh no, Kane won the SummerSlam '97. Is our next oh, yeah. pay per view, actually, our next episode, Wait, where uh, Undertaker's one? facing Bret Hart. What happened to this one? Uh, Stone Cold gets his neck broken by uh, Owen Hart. Oh no, I'm thinking uh, uh, Kane won the championship at its fucking. Kane doesn't come. Kane doesn't come until Bad Blood, uh, which was, is like two months from now, August thinking, or something like that. I was that. thinking of the one where Kane won the championship and fucking uh, something happened after that, and they forgot all about it. It was Undertaker and, uh, yeah, it was Undertaker and Mick Foley. No, that's a different one. In their, in, in their Hell in a Cell match. No, we already watched that one. No, we didn't. We didn't watch Undertaker and Foley because Kane wins the championship that night. Undertaker throws fucking man, uh, Mankind out the fucking... Right. Either or. No, we haven't got to that point, but that's all coming up. The Monday Night Watch Long Shirt Stat, wherever you get your uh, podcast. We'll be back next week for, I guess you just have to tune in to find out. We'll be back next week for the Mouth of Michiganders with Bang Dang.